On my laptop computer is a black and white photograph of a woman. She's in her early 60s, rather petite, with dark hair close cut around her face. She stands knee deep in a baptismal font or pool, having been immersed in water by her priest in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Her alb is luminescent. Her eyes are tightly closed, but her mouth is open with a wide smile. You can almost hear her cry of emotion. Her, fa her face beaming with joy and life has the appearance of a child who is experiencing or feeling a new thing. And at the same time, you see a person who has lived a life with all the experiences one might have by her age. This is a picture of a friend of mine who was raised in another faith. Jesus called Julie to become his own, again, in a very new way, even after having known God her entire life. See, Jesus, see, Julie was raised in a Jewish home, but had fallen away from ritual and tradition, while she lived a very happy and fulfilling life with her best friend and husband, Jim, and with her career as a college academic advisor. And as God would have it, she lived close to a church and became curious. So drawn to the faith, she decided she wanted what everyone else in that church had, a closer walk with God through a relationship with Jesus. In that moment, so beautifully captured in my photograph, Julie was transformed into the image of Christ. Since she was born a Jew, she was already in a relationship or covenant with God, thus in no spiritual or theological danger, but was desiring something new. Julie pursued what she didn't have, and that was the love of Jesus, the Messiah, the Word made flesh. Today is a celebration of the baptism of our Lord by his cousin and prophet John. It's Jesus' initiation as a messianic messenger to the world. This baptism was for repentance, and if we understand a little bit about Jesus, he had nothing for which to repent. And John hesitates, knowing who he is baptizing. He says, I'm to baptize you? No, it should be the other way around. You should be baptizing me. Jesus, the greater, is baptized by the lesser. Why would that happen? Because this act of baptism affirms the righteousness of Jesus, and John baptizes him as an act of discipleship to Jesus and obedience and submission to God. We, too, enter into this submission to God in our own baptism and are in covenant with God through Jesus Christ. And with that covenant, we have forgiveness of our sins and life eternal. So I want to take a moment to look at the baptismal vows written in the prayer book. Um, spoiler alert, there's prayer books right in front of you somewhere, so <laughs> we will be looking on page 302, so you can start on page 302. I don't remember my own baptism and initiation into the body of Christ because I was an infant and many of you were likely baptized as infants. But no doubt, many of you are godparents and have prayed these words for candidates, or you have prayed them during the 
renewal of baptismal vows at the Easter Vigil. So let's take a look at what we say. If you want to follow along, page 302. The spirituality of baptism is one of the many rites of initiation that people may go through. It's threefold. Um, the first part is purgation. That means to get rid of the bad stuff. Illumination, to learn something new. And union. Beginning on page 302, the examine offers us a series of questions and statements on our path towards union with God. Purgation. These are the renunciations of the forces of evil, a cleansing of the soul, body, and mind, so to speak, of all those things that separate us from God. In other words, sin, a purification through repentance. Here we go. Let's page, page 302 when I ask the questions. We renounce evil forces outside of us, those cosmic forces of darkness and chaos. Several people have told me their personal experiences of cosmic spiritual forces of evil. In two of the stories, these events occurred after the death of a loved one or in times of terrific grief when our strength their strength was weakened. We know that Jesus called out evil spirits and healed people possessed by spirits, such as the Gerasene demoniac and also Mary Magdalene, who was also afflicted by such a force. Modern clinical interpretations may indicate bodily organic causes, but they are presented as external afflictions in scripture and in stories of tradition. Next, we renounce evil powers. We renounce human systems within which we belong that cause injustice and afflictions, customs, laws, cultural norms, traditions. We know that inequality exists and people go hungry and cold because of systems that are predatory or neglectful. Third, we renounce the aspects of human nature within us our bodies that cause pain. Selfishness and greed and indifference are very convenient examples. We name all these forces that keep us from the love of God. In this act of purgation, we acknowledge the specter of power, both internal and external, that keep us from living in the kingdom of God. Next is our pivot towards illumination. In the next series of questions on the same page, just below the three that we looked at, we look to Jesus as our Savior, only because through him do we have our salvation. He is our way. We are not born the chosen people as the Jews were. As Gentiles, we must be adopted through Christ. We have him. I am the truth and the life, he says. We place our whole faith and trust in Jesus. We state that we will obey his words and example. Love one another as I have loved you. Simple and not really so easy. And we cannot do this by our own accord. We need help. We have the Holy Spirit. Let's move on to our baptismal covenant on 304 with a statement of our faith in the triune God. That's the first three-quarters of the page. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the Apostles' Creed. We then name the things we promise to do as Christians. This is for all of us. Here we go. <laughs> Will you continue the apostles' teachings and fellowship, breaking of bread, and then the prayers? This comes straight from the book of Acts that we read earlier as means to strengthen the community of Christ and to grow the church. Also, we are to proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ. The only way to do that is to read, study, and inwardly digest scripture. That is what we call Christian formation or discipleship. Third, seek the divine in all people, especially those difficult to love. And four, strive for justice and peace. Notice the word strive. Our work is to make the world more full of grace and love. We have a call to be like Jesus. Through scripture, we are assured that justice and peace will reign when Jesus returns, but that doesn't get us out of the work of doing the work now. Finally, union. So if we move to page 307, we are now finally in the moment of union with Christ here at the bottom of the page, which, by the way, can only happen one time. Baptism happens once. A retired priest told me a few years back, if you do it a second time, you just get wet. Baptism as Jesus received was quite different than our baptism because as we understand baptism, we are united in Christ's death and resurrection by water and the power of the Holy Spirit. The baptism Jesus received was in solidarity with the people of Israel, but unlike him, we are released from the grip of sin by dying in the waters of baptism and by the power of the Holy Spirit, emerging resurrected and joining with the body of Christ. And though you were probably not immersed like my friend, Julie, having water poured over your head only just a few sprinkles, it's the same sacrament. And now if you look at page 308, don't forget chrism. This is a part I really like, and I have to tell you, every time I see this happen, I think I cry. The mark of Christ is placed on the forehead of the newly baptized. That seal is forever on you. Not only has a baptized been united with Christ and all others who are baptized, both living and dead, but the baptized is literally sealed with a cross, showing that fact. Jesus is saying, you are mine. We are one together with all others who are baptized. You are my beloved. From that very moment, our identity changes as one who has died and been resurrected in him. We look at the world and experience our lives through this lens as death and sin have lost their grip on our souls. We have everlasting life, abundant now and forever. And like Jesus who begins his ministry on earth at his baptism, we too are initiated into our various ministries and work as ordained by God. Jesus has been revealed to the world as we experienced on Epiphany 
with the arrival of the wise men following a star and is now proclaimed as his son by God's voice. The heavens opened to send down the power of the Holy Spirit in the form somewhat like a dove. Jesus begins his ministry and mission to bring everyone to God. And because we are united in him, that is our mission too, our purpose, our life's work, until the end of the age. <laughs>